Welcome to Chronosphere Fiction. This is your pilot, Daniel French. On this episode, we're going to finish flying with writer Patrick Edwards in part two of Jop's Folly. This is the prequel to Patrick Edwards' book series, Space Trippin', available in audiobook, ebook, and paperback form. Please don't let it get your gander that in our prequel, Job is a girl, while in the stories, Job is a guy. When we left off in part one, Job and Loy were just about to pull into Pa Nui to continue their adventure. Welcome home, sweets. Quipped Job as the glowing mass of Pa Nui appeared ahead of them. A thousand multicolored towers huddled together atop a floating chrome hemisphere. Loy was awestruck. I grew up here, and the view still gets me every time. <laughs> I know, right? It's like a small planet. Or a large moon. After working their way through the spaceship gridlock of downtown, Jop pulled them into the massive docking hangar of the Gilded Vixen. Jop tapped away at her console, powering down the engines. Rumor has it this place is owned by some strangely flamboyant crime boss. I wouldn't know. Well, let's go check in with the receivables agent to get this junk delivered. Are you sure I should come? I mean, shouldn't I just wait in here while everything is unloaded? I, I don't want to get you in trouble. The fearful undertones in Loy's words flew right over Jop's head. Why would you want to stay here? Let's go grab a drink. They're not going to care if you were with me. Did you forget the part where I said this place was owned by crooks? Are you sure I can't... I mean, shouldn't just stay here? Yes, I'm sure. We're done with this ship. We leave it here where it will get reloaded for another transporter. What about your big job? Tier 9 flies on something much bigger and nicer than this heap. She kicked the base of the control console. Now, come on. They grabbed their travel packs and headed up to the hangar deck, where a uniformed attendant was waiting. She was a silver-skinned humanoid, with ornate purple tattoos covering most of the right side of her face. You with receivables? No. I just like hanging out in casino hangars wearing this uniform and carrying this data tablet. For fun. Jop held her hands up. All right, all right. No need to get snippy. Look, I got a dung load of intake today. What's your delivery code? PPIC. Zero 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 three nine six eight one two seven seven. The attendant tapped a few icons on her tablet. Okay, twenty million SIM chips. She held the data tablet out to Jop. Please sign off that all the cargo has arrived intact and undamaged. Jop pressed her thumb to the tablet, which flashed green. The attendant pulled the tablet back and began typing into it. After a few silent seconds, she looked up at them. You can go now. Jop opened her mouth to say something that would have likely earned her a smack across the face, were it not for the grip of Loy's hand on her arm. They gave the attendant a wide berth as they circled around the wide ramp leading out of the hangar. Jop spoke up once they reached the lobby. 
How about we decompress over a drink? Then you can show me your old stopping quadrant. From across the lobby, a pair of golden eyes followed the couple as they passed through the storm of light and noise that was the main gaming hall. The body attached to the eyes was an average-sized humanoid with steely blue skin and closely cropped yellow hair. After watching the couple enter the bar, he pulled a mobile comm line from his pocket. Hey, let me get two Flanese ales over here. Jop's latest attempt to get the bartender's attention went unnoticed, as he was too busy schmoozing a trio of insectoid women. Having a little trouble? Teased a voice from behind Jop. Jop ignored the voice and shouted. Come on, man, the bug babes aren't going anywhere. Give me a drink. She got no reaction. I might be able to help. Jop started to turn around. Oh, yeah? And how would you... She found herself staring into the violet-hued cleavage of a tall woman. Her gaze eventually found its way up her seven-foot frame to the two oval-shaped eyes set amidst her elongated head. She brushed a pink hair tentacle back over her ear and smiled down at Jop. Watch this. She leaned forward and winked, at whom Jop had no idea. Then she let her hand dangle over the bar, putting her brilliantly bejeweled data bracelet on display. Within seconds, a bartender materialized in front of them. What can I get ya? I'd like a Cosmos. She canted her head toward Jop. And my friend here would like a pair of Flanese Ales. The bartender looked at Jop as if she'd just appeared out of thin air. He quickly retrieved two bottles and slid them over to Jop. He then began mixing the bevy of ingredients the Jop guest went into a Cosmos. Jop held up a plain white currency card. Uh, thanks for the help. I can pick up this round. She smirked and waggled her wrist, the one that bore the electronic bangle crusted with gems. That's okay, my little wad of glucosamine. It's on me. Yeah, I thought that might be one of them monarchy-grade DBs. She looked at her own data bracelet, standard-issue matte black. You can't just get one, right? You have to be invited. The Tao woman winked at her, but didn't say anything. Doesn't it require a net worth of at least, like, I don't know, 10 million Tellians? Fifteen, actually. Damn. Looks and money. It'd be a tragedy if you turned out to have a shit personality. Only one way to find out. You should probably start by asking me my name. A canned pickup line leapt to the edge of Jop's tongue, but she caught herself before any words escaped her lips. She scratched the back of her head and said, Some other time. Jop snatched up the two ales and shrugged. Thanks again. Are you fucking kidding? The woman started, but Jop was already weaving her way through the crowd. She had made it about halfway when she stopped, looked back at the towel woman and thought, What the hell is wrong with me? She turned forward and caught a glimpse of Lois sitting in a booth. She smiled. Oh, yeah. The crowd parted a bit more, revealing that Lois was not alone. Sitting across from her was a male of her same race. The Venovan man had steel blue skin and closely cropped yellow hair. They seemed very engaged in their conversation, so much so that neither noticed Jop until she set the drinks down on the table with an audible thud. The man glared up at her. Jop smiled back, then to Loy. Who's your friend? If she was at all uncomfortable, she didn't show it. Jop, this is Yurf. We know each other from the old neighborhood. Jop gave Yurf the biggest smile she could. Nice to meet you, pal. 
Yurf was just leaving. A few quiet moments passed awkwardly while Yurf glanced back and forth between Loy's icy stare and Jop's exaggerated grin. He slowly pushed himself to a standing position. To Loy, he said, We'll catch up later. He gave Jop a once-over and then stomped away. Jop dropped down to Yurf's vacated seat. She grabbed one of the bottles and took a long pull. Loy stared at the table, not meeting her eyes. Jop finally broke the awkward silence. So your ex-boyfriend seems like kind of a dick. <laughs> he wishes. Yurf and I grew up together here in the little Vinova district. Rough area. Only for outsiders. But I'll protect you. Well, lucky me. Pa Nui has no atmosphere, as it's essentially a colossal floating space station. The buildings are connected to each other by a honeycomb of enclosed causeways, biodomes, and tram lines. In an effort to combat citizen claustrophobia, the average causeway is actually three stories tall and as wide as an eight-lane road. Jop and Loy were strolling down a causeway that had been designed to resemble a garden. Rows of trees and colorful flowers lined the footpath, and the ceiling was clear so as to provide a view of the twinkling starscape. Jop had one arm wrapped around Loy's waist, and the other clutched a green bottle. Oh, when do we have to leave again? I have to report for pickup tomorrow at... Jop stopped talking when she saw the three figures suddenly blocking their way. They were all Vinovans. The amber-haired female and the male with hair like a disheveled mop were new to Jop. She recognized the other male and plastered on her cheesiest grin. How's it going, pal? Yurf ignored her and spoke to Loy. I told you there'd be consequences. Consequences for what? This doesn't concern you, squib kid. Now hit the skids. What the fuck did you just call me? Loy rested a hand on Jop's shoulder to settle her. Do we really have to do this, Lannan? The mop-headed male, presumably named Lannan, stepped forward. No, we don't. You just pay us our cut and you can go. Loy spoke through gritted teeth. Like I said to Yerf, there's nothing to get a cut of. That's not what Big Baz told us. Big Baz is a big liar. Hump of shit. You get his name out of your mouth. He's done everything for us. He used us, Nath. The woman, Nath, spat. And we should believe you. What have you ever done for anyone? Besides whore around. All right, screw this. I don't care what the history is here, but you all need to back the hell off. Yurf stepped right up to Jop and leaned down. What are you going to do about it? He produced a knife in his right hand and then reached out and shoved Jop's shoulder with his left. Squib, kid. Jop took a deep breath and smirked. Yeah, I thought that's what you called me. Jop cocked back her hand that was holding the green bottle and let it fly. Yurf attempted to shield himself, but Jop hadn't been aiming for him. The bottle shattered against the side of Lannan's head and he crumpled to the ground. Before Yurf could process this, he felt Jop's shoulder driving into his gut, which sent them both tumbling. After they stopped rolling, Jop found herself on top of Yurf. Before Yurf could register what had happened, Jop gripped his collar with both hands and then drove her thick, flat forehead into the bridge of Yurf's nose. Jop blinked away stars as she climbed up off of the unconscious Vinovan. She spun around to see that Lannan, blood pouring from a gash in the side of his head, 
inexplicably start to get back up. Can't have that. Jop thought as she sprinted forward. But before she could get there, Loy fell upon the dazed Lennon with a flurry of quick, skilled punches. The Vanovan man returned to the ground in a limp heap. Jop skidded to a halt. Damn, that was hot. She whipped her head around, scanning for the third assailant, Nath. To her surprise, Jop found her lying on the ground, also unconscious. Jop's eyes then met Loy's and without a word, started sprinting down the causeway back the way they came. So that was fun. Jop said as she handed Loy a cooling pad, which she applied to her bruised knuckles. Jop then walked over to her hotel room's bar and poured some red liquor into two glasses. She sat across from Loy at the table and slid one of the drinks over. Loy snatched up the glass and said, I, uh, suppose you want an explanation? Only if you want to give me one. Loy downed her whole drink with a grimace. We were thieves. The little Vinova district isn't exactly known for its charm and appeal. You do what you have to do to survive. The four of us survive by running scams, cons, whatever you want to call it. Big Baz was our mentor. He taught us the trade. Then one day, Baz tells us he's got a line on the big one. You know, the big score you see in every heist story that's just too good to walk away from. Well, for us, the big score was Taimana Gemstones. I was the inside man, so to speak. The day comes and we all execute our parts perfectly. Yerf and Lannan take care of the physical security. Nath takes care of surveillance. I get in the vault and... Jop was practically crawling across the table. And there's nothing there. No gemstones, no nothing. And the next thing I know, universal law enforcement agents are swarming the place. I was able to slip through the ventilation shaft and got away. But all the others got jammed up. The word starts spreading through the neighborhood. Then I, I cashed out big and let them all take the fall. We all know how the story ends. So I scraped together whatever savings I could and bolted. And you think this big Baz punk set you up? Loy shrugged. Who knows? She stood up and went to refill her glass. It was a mistake, me coming back here. Come with me. What? Come with me on my run. Screw this place. Come fly around the galaxy with me. Uh, how would that even work? Jop approached her and took her hand. We'll figure it out. She looked up into Loy's eyes. What do you say? Hey, sweets, you ever see anything more beautiful than that? Jop and Loy gazed up at an Infinity-class Uber-hauler spacecraft. It was as tall as a two-story building and at least 100 yards in length. Light glinted off its dark blue finish. Wow! Was all Loy could come up with. Wow is right. You're looking at the finest piece of transport tech in the known verse. The sound of boots clopping on steel made them turn around to see the approaching deck chief, a middle-aged towel with pink stubble peppering his purple face. Which one of you is Transporter Winslow? 
he asked without looking up from his data tablet. That'd be me. And who is this? He asked, pointing at Loy, eyes still glued to the tablet. Chop waved her over. This is my co-pilot. The deck chief finally looked away from his tablet and down at Chop. The manifest doesn't state anything about his second pilot. If you check my employment contract, it states I have the option of hiring my own co-pilot as long as the expense comes out of my fee. Batal made no effort to hide his annoyance as he tapped away on the tablet. His eyes scanned the display for a few moments, then looked skeptically from Jop to Loy. I'll need to see some credentials. Jop looked at Loy and nodded her head. She stepped forward and held out an ID badge, which the deck chief swiped across the tablet screen. After what felt like hours, but was really just a few seconds, the data tablet flashed green. The deck chief handed back the badge. Looks good. Let's just go over the route specifications and you two can be on your way. Jop mumbled under her breath. Holy shit, it worked. Which earned her a quick kick in the leg from Loy. Ow! The deck chief glanced up. What was that? Jop smiled wide. How long is this run expected to take? The estimated duration is 16 standard days. You're going to take the KED-22 anomaly, then cross the Deucon system to the research facility on Everon's moon. Great. And the cargo specs are? Let us see. 200,000 tons of raw gem steel. Wow. Well, I guess we better be going. Jop started to put her arm around Loy, but she swatted her hand away. The deck chief looked up and eyed her skeptically. Indeed. Thank you so much for your help. The deck chief nodded and silently walked away. When he was out of earshot, Loy turned to Jop. I don't know what's more shocking, that this actually worked, or that you almost blew it again with your big mouth. How is that shocking? My big mouth always almost screws things up. <laughs> Fair point. Jop started heading toward the ship's boarding ramp. Just be glad I had that extra set of creds. Yeah, about that. Why do you have a fake ID badge? It's a real badge, it's just not mine. I forgot to renew my license one year, and I swiped that from this other pilot, Fliff. Then I used a halo mixer to change the name and picture. That's kind of a dick move. No, Fliff was the dick. He screwed me out of jobs for years. This was my little way of getting him back. They entered the ship's central housing cabin. There were four beds, two couches, a table, and a large visual entertainment center. Jop gave a flourishing wave. Welcome to our home for the next few spans. Come on, I'll give you a quick tour before we take off. Oh, this ship is gigantic. Uh, don't we leave like in 20 minutes? Jop pointed towards a door behind her. The cargo hold is through there. It makes up like 85% of the rig. See, we're already almost done with the tour. Loy rolled her eyes and followed through another door. Jop pointed to her right. Through that door is the laboratory, and that's the galley. And the control room would be through there. Well, what about those other two doors? One leads to the engine hub. Jop gave a dismissive wave towards the other. And we won't be needing that one. What is it? It's the dinghy. The what? It's the escape pod. You know, if something catastrophic happens and we have to abandon the cargo. It's mainly for lesser skilled pilots. I've never needed it. Loy clasped her hands and made a show of batting her eyelashes. Oh, my. How impressive. You're hilarious. 
She giggled and worked her hand around Jop's elbow. Mm, my big brave pilot, take me to the stars. The first few days of travel had been relatively uneventful. They hit the first anomaly jump without issue and were now halfway across the Deukon star system. Jop was at the helm with Loy lounging in the chair to her right. She looked up from the popular gossip feed on her tablet. So, is piloting this ship very different from others you've flown? For the most part, it's the same. It just takes a little extra control when navigating tight spots. Oh, so, where are we again? We're about midway through the Deukon system. Doesn't this system have a small anomaly cluster? Yep, and unfortunately, none of them take us where we're going, which is at the far end of the system. We have to cross it the old-fashioned way. Well, how far is this cluster? Almost two hours away. Hmm. I think I'm going to take a nap. Jop glanced over, her eyebrow raised suggestively. No, I mean a real nap. <laughs> you can still join me, though. Oh, can't. I need to stay up here for at least another hour or so. Once we're past the debris cloud, I can run autofly for a few hours. Oh, come on. Don't tease me like that. Loy kissed Jop on the cheek and left the control room. It was a little over an hour later when Jop heard a voice from behind her coup. Hey there. She turned around to see Loy wearing considerably less clothing than she had been earlier. She smiled and held up a large blue bottle. Oh, um, care to join me? Your timing is perfect. I've got a good six or seven hours until I need to be back up here. She walked over and scrutinized the bottle Loy was holding. This is some nice hooch. What are we celebrating? Oh, you haven't exactly struck me as someone who needs a reason to celebrate. Good point. Jop followed Loy back into the housing cabin where they plopped down on one of the couches. Two glasses were already waiting for them on the table next to the couch. Loy popped the bottle top and poured an orange liquid into the glasses. She handed one to Jop and then raised the other up high. A toast? A toast to what? How about you? You've been so great this whole time. I, I don't deserve you. Nonsense, you totally deserve me. But I am pretty awesome, aren't I? Loy smiled again. If Jop had been a bit more discerning, she might have seen past the smile on her mouth to the sadness in her eyes. But Jop was not the discerning type. So she held her glass aloft and proclaimed, To the best damn pilot in the universe. She downed the glass's contents in a single gulp. She wiped her lips. Mmm, that's some good stuff. Jop noticed that Loy had set her still full glass back on the table. Don't you like it? Loy didn't answer. Then Jop's vision started to get hazy. She blinked a couple times and dizziness washed over her. I think, oh, I think, oh, I think I need to, to... She collapsed back on the couch. Jop's eyes fluttered open to an incessant beeping sound. She scrambled to her feet and scanned her surroundings. Everything was still a little foggy, but she saw a flashing red button, which she assumed was the cause of the infernal beeping. She made for the red light and tripped over some kind of box. After pulling herself back up off the floor, she completed her short trek to the flashing red button and slammed her palm down. Mercifully, the beeping stopped. 
Her vision started to clear, and she again attempted to assess her environment. She was in a small, unfamiliar control room. She looked down at the console. There was a label next to the formerly flashing button. It read, Emergency Beacon. The control room had no doors, only a circular hatch located in the center of the low ceiling. She peered out of the front view screen. She wasn't sure where she was, but she was pretty sure it wasn't the Teyukon system. Her foot touched something, and she looked down. It was a book. She looked closer. It was called The Sentient Coalition Official Intergalactic Travel Manual Escape Pod Edition. The damn dinghy! Jop cursed as she kicked the book. She spun around looking for something else to kick and saw what she'd tripped over. Resting in the middle of the floor was a case of Flanese ale. Lying next to it was a letter. Jop spent the next three hours sitting on the floor working her way through the case's two dozen bottles. Her eyes fell on the shredded remains of the letter. So sorry. Can't understand. And no choice were some of the phrases that looked back up at her. It didn't matter. Every single word of that letter was burned into her brain. She finished the bottle she was holding and reached in the case for another. Her hand came back empty. She kicked the empty box away and struggled to pull herself up. With great effort, she managed to pull herself into the pilot's chair. The screen was ablaze with alerts and warnings. The words were beginning to blur, but Jop was able to work out that the pod had drifted into a planet's gravitational pull. She made a feeble attempt to pull up, but it was too late. She was going to crash. In her last moments of lucidity, she saw the name of the planet flash across the screen. She grumbled to herself. What the shit is an Earth? And that concludes Jop's Folly, written by Patrick Edwards. Be sure to check out his audiobook series, Space Trippin', wherever you get audiobooks, paperbacks, ebooks, you know. Jop was voice acted by Dr. Michelle Booz. Loy was voice acted by Cindy Stevens. The deck chief was Van Riker. The uniformed attendant and Nath the thug were both voice acted by Augie Peterson. Be sure to look her up on Augie Peterson writes. The tall woman at the bar was my wife, Rosanna Jimeno. Your narrator, Yerf the thug. The male bartender, Production and music, sound effects, were by myself, Daniel French. And that concludes this ride on the chronosphere. Until we meet again, keep your cosmos clean.